0: with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, who is the nation's largest employer? You think it's Amazon? Walmart? Google? Some other big tech giant? No, it's actually the United States military 2.9 million strong. Why am I bringing this up? Because some say that the military is being politicized right now, that it's actually going woke. Now, you may be asking yourself a question. Frank, why would you care about the military on a show like this? Well, let me point out three things. Number one, our freedoms enumerated in the the Constitution are secured by the military and, to a certain extent, the police including our freedom to preach and live the gospel. In fact, when you join the military, and I I did a number of years ago, you take an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, without a strong military or a police force protecting our freedoms, we will lose them, including the freedom to preach and live the gospel, including the freedom to even do a podcast like this. You know, you can't access or do podcasts like this in places like North Korea or China or Iran. Why? Because politically they've ruled it out. If for no other reason we have to be concerned about politics, is because politics affects actually our ability to preach and live the gospel. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is our nation will only persist with a strong defense Evil will overcome good if good is not defended, because people are bent toward evil. We've spoken about it many times on this program. Individuals are bent toward evil. We're depraved. It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good. And unless you defend freedom, it will evaporate. It will be overcome with totalitarianism. Franklin, uh, George, uh, Benjamin Franklin, excuse me, Benjamin Franklin famously said. When he was asked, after they had just developed the United States Constitution, he was asked by a woman, what kind of government have you given us, uh, Mr. Franklin? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it, if you don't protect freedom, it will be overcome with totalitarianism. And the third reason I'm talking about an issue like this is because I was actually in the military. I was in the United States Navy for eight years from 1984 to 1992. And I also have family right now in the military. So I think this is important, not only personally, but nationally, and also for the sake of the gospel. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, I've been reading some articles recently, one of them, uh, well, actually several of them from different websites. This one, uh, Ted Cruz is concerned about a woke bias in the military. This comes from Fox News a couple of weeks ago. And here is the uh, section of the article. It says multiple prominent Republicans on the House and Senate Arms Services Committee slammed cancel culture and woke ideology that they claim may be contributing to biases against service members who identify as conservative. The criticism by Republicans comes after a commander in the U.S. Space Force. You've probably heard about this guy. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He was relieved of his official duties last week, so this goes back about three weeks ago now, after he spoke out against Marxism and critical race theory in the military. As a result, lawmakers are warning about the dangers of an increasingly polarized, or I should say politicized, environment within the armed services. House Armed Services Committee member Representative Lisa McLean from Michigan decried cancel culture as getting out of hand. And said that she was supporting legislation to ensure that American troops are being or aren't being indoctrinated into woke culture, which is more intolerant of conservative beliefs and values. Okay, that's a section of the article here. Now, this guy, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer from the Air Force, actually wrote a book. Here's the title of the book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal and Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. Now, I don't know this guy. I don't know if what he's essentially saying is true, although in my research uh, from just the the surface research I've done, there is something going on in the military that is leaning toward wokeism, and I'll get to it here in a minute. I haven't read this guy's book. He may have been relieved of his command because... He actually didn't get permission to write this book, and if you're in the military and you're going to write something like this, you have to get permission up the chain of command. I'll get to more of that later, but here's what a reviewer of the book says. As I say, I haven't had a chance to read the book, but here's what he says. This is a review on Amazon. This guy actually comes from the UK, apparently, this reviewer. Here's what he says about this book, Irresistible Revolution. He says, a must read for anyone aware of the ongoing cultural war and disinformation campaign orchestrated by the Marxist ideology of the, far, of the radical far left and their global influencers. Ignore the one-star ratings for obvious reasons. They have not read the book. By the way, friends, don't put ratings on anyone's book if you haven't read it. I mean, I don't care if you agree with the author, disagree with the author, agree with the worldview, disagree with the worldview. Whoever put a book up there put a lot of time and effort into writing the book. They may be wrong, but do not put reviews up there if you haven't actually read the book. That's just unfair. In any event, uh, this guy goes on. Matthew Lohmeyer explains the cultural divisiveness heralded by sections of society whose uh, anarchic attempts are to eradicate historical facts and accuracies for their aim of the destruction of Western civil society and the foundations of equality for all. He says, reading this book will enlighten you to the conditional programming that some educational systems, media propaganda, and political groups are mass projecting and indoctrinating the youth and lesser educated in society through dilution, manipulation, or blatant lies and how damaging this will be to future generations. And then he quotes... From the opening chapter, I found this interesting. Here's what the opening chapter of this book, Irresistible Revolution, says. Just a section of it. He says, the Ministry of Truth, this is in the Soviet Union, deliberately representative of Stalin's communist propaganda mill, employed a simple and effective strategy. Quote, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past." Unquote. It was this kind of manipulative control in the former Soviet Union that led to the dissident joke. Listen to this dissident joke. In the Soviet Union, the future is known. It is the past that is always changing." Unquote. Thus, all that is needed to assert control is an unending series of victories over people's memories, hence the 1619 Project you've probably heard about. Yeah, that's the project that this curriculum that is being pushed on American schools to try and say that the founding of America was based on slavery. It wasn't based in 1776 in the Declaration of Independence that said all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. No, these ideologues are trying to rewrite history. They're trying to change the past and and say, no, it really started in 1619 when the first slaves came over from Africa. That's really how the country began. And so I found it interesting, (laughs) this Soviet dissident joke, who controls the past controls the future, who controls the president controls the past. Here's the dissident joke. In the Soviet Union, the future is known. It's the past that's always changing. Why are we tearing down all sorts of statues and memorials? Because we're trying to change the past? From whatever you think about that, the history must be known. Good or bad history must be known. We have to know the bad things we did in history to correct ourselves, but to try and whitewash history or try and skew it one way or the other in order to control the future is something that ought not be done. uh, done. I've got a lot more on this, including why is the politicization of the military happening? We'll get to that right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be An Atheist. Back in two. Frank Turek with you on I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, the program aired on the American Family Radio Network, just visited Tupelo, Mississippi with my uh, friend Tim Wildman and the other great people down at AFA, great seeing them. Uh, They're the ones that put this broadcast out to 182 stations now, thank you for doing that. And as you know, this is in podcast as well, if you're listening on the radio and you want to listen to it in podcast, just go to iTunes, look for the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast and sign up to get the subscription. It's just once a week. Show takes about 50 minutes to listen to. We cover issues on apologetics, on, on culture, on theology, on philosophy. So uh, check it out. If you're just listening on the radio, you can go back and listen to past shows. Most of them are evergreen. They're not always c- uh, current events. Most of our shows are evergreen. You can listen to them anytime you want. You can also listen to them on our app, the Cross-Examined app. Two words on the, in the App Store, Cross Examined and you can, get, you can get programs that go back five or six years on that app. So check all that out. And if you would, leave a nice positive review on iTunes. That will really help us move it up the charts so more people will listen to it. All right, we're talking about the wokeness that appears anyway to be encroaching itself into the military. And uh, there's several uh, articles about this that you can read about. I'll get to a couple more here in just a minute. There's a book been written by an Air Force officer, who may have overstepped his bounds by writing the book, because as I'll get to in a minute, uh, you, you give up certain number of your rights when you're in the military and you have to get permission to write books like this. I don't know if he did. If he did and they still demoted him, that's going to be a problem and I'll get to that here in a few minutes. But let me point uh, this out. Let me, let me deal with the question, why is all this happening in the military? Well, uh, as you know, we've obviously had a change of administration Uh, President Trump wanted to keep woke culture out of the government, and Biden appears to want to put it back in. And Rod Dreher over there at the American Conservative, the gentleman that wrote the book Live Not By Lies, has an article uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, the article is titled, let me go to it now, it's called Political Purge of the Armed Forces, political purge of the armed forces. And here's what Dreher writes. And by the way, Rod's been on this program. You can go back a few months back and listen to the Live Not By Lies uh, podcast on this. Here's what Rod says. Rod says, well, 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 the Pentagon official tasked with leading efforts to crack down on extremist views among military service members once asserted, That the backers of former President Donald Trump were also supporters of racism, misogamy, and extremism. And by the way, Rod Dreher was not a big Trump supporter. But the man who is leading the efforts in the military to basically ferret out extremism is someone who is very critical of President Trump. And the official in charge of this is a guy by the name of Bishop Garrison. Now, I don't think he's a religious guy. I think his first name is Bishop. And here's what Dreher says. The official, Bishop Garrison, is a senior advisor to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and head of the Pentagon's Countering Extremism Working Group. Garrison expressed his view in a series of tweets way back on July 27th, 2019. So this is long before the election. This is long before wokeism really erupted uh, after the George Floyd situation. And here is what this garrison guy said in a tweet. Silence from our congressional leaders is is complicity. He, meaning Trump, is only going to get worse from here and his party And its leadership are watching it happen while doing nothing to stop it. Support for him, a racist, is support for all his beliefs. He goes on. He's dragging a lot of bad actors, uh, misogynists, extremists, misogynists, extremists, and racists out of the light, normalizing their actions. If you support the president, you support that. There is no room for nuance with this. There is no more, but I like, but, but I'm not like that talk. In other words, he's saying, look, if you're a supporter of the president, President Trump, um, this guy, Bishop Garrison, is going to paint you with a very broad brush and say everything that he thinks Trump is guilty of, you're guilty of too, whether or not he's right about Trump being guilty about that. Now, here is what Dreher says about this. It is important to note that Garrison tweeted this in 2019, not recently. Nevertheless, it is clear that he believes anyone who supported President Trump, who was at the time, the commander-in-chief, is a racist. The man who believed that is now the grand inquisitor tasked with purging the US Armed Forces of wrong thinkers. Dreher goes on to say this is deeply shocking. Garrison must be removed. It is impossible to have confidence in this man to do anything other than lead a purge of Trump supporters. If this is where the woke US military is headed, Our country is in deep trouble. There will be millions who will not serve in a politicized military. They shouldn't. I say that as someone who is, for the most part, not a Trump supporter. This is not something happening in isolation, I believe. There is going to be a broader purging of wrong thinkers, even in private life. And Dreher goes on and he says that this story was broken uh, by a very long article in Revolver News, if you go to Revolver News, you'll probably find it. It's about this man, Bishop Garrison, who is the head of the, let me again get the right uh, title, Countering Extremism Working Group within the Pentagon. And how do you define extremism? Well, this Revolver News story goes into it. It seems like extremi- extremism is mostly what is known as white, or uh, white. Yeah, we yeah, have white. That's it. <laughs> they say white supremacy, right-leaning groups, conservative groups are the extremist groups. They do identify Antifa and ISIS, but other than that, these are all right-wing extremist groups and they need to be ferreted out of the military. And in fact, if you look at some of the descriptions of this, uh, these might be groups that oppose abortion. This is in the defense department memo, any group that might oppose abortion or oppose LGBTQ political goals might be considered extremist, according to this memo. Well, if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, that means that leftism is being promoted in the military and conservatism isn't. Conservatism is being fettered out. Now, this man, Bishop Garrison, is also a big supporter of the 1619 Project. Oh, surprise there. The 1619 Project, as I mentioned at the top of the program, is trying to rewrite American history. Let's go back to the Soviet dissident joke. In the Soviet Union, the future is known. It's the past that's always changing. Hmm. By the way, Now that I think about it, I think that's often the case when it even comes to people who are studying the historical Jesus. The past is always changing according to them. They're always trying to come up with some new theory about Jesus, and it's never the theory that Jesus was who he really said he was. You know, Jesus was some sort of zealot, Jesus was just a man, Uh, Jesus never claimed to be God, Jesus was just a religious figure, but he never really was unique in any regard other than that. Jesus was just an itinerant preacher. They come up with everything but the true historical Jesus. The past is always changing to them. Now, in a related story, the uh, postmillennialnews.com had an article a week or so ago that says this, this is the headline, U.S. Navy Goes Woke Announces Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Planning Actions. On Monday, so this is uh, probably two Mondays ago, the acting Secretary of the United States Navy, Thomas Harker, released a memo that outlined the new actions the military branch will be taking on diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. The memo states that Chief Diversity Officer of the Navy, stop! Chief Diversity Officer of the Navy, what? Crazy, anyway. <laughs> the memo states that the Chief Diver- Look, diversity is not our strength, friends. Unity is. Yes, you need diverse, you need diverse talents but you don't need diverse skin colors or diverse sexual preferences to have a strong military because diverse skin colors or diverse sexual preferences don't add to the fighting capacity of the United States military. They don't help you support and defend the Constitution of the United States. But yet, well, I digress. We'll come back to it. I talked about this a little bit last week. Leak. So you can get into that if you do that podcast if you want to go back and listen to it. Anyway, the memo states that the Chief Diversity Officer of the Navy, Assistant Secretary of the Navy, Manpower and Reserve Affairs, Catherine Kessmeyer, will lead a Department of the Navy team to see that diversity, equity and inclusion, DEI, initiatives are included in our policies, program and operations across the enterprise. And here's what she said. Oh, this is Harker, actually, who said this, the uh, acting Secretary of the Navy. SECNAV, equal opportunity is the bedrock of our democracy, and diversity is one of our greatest strengths. Stop! It's not one of our greatest strengths. Not if you're talking about the diversity of skin color and sexual preference. It has nothing to do with defending the United States military, or defending the United States Constitution. He goes on to say, both are critical to the readiness of our Navy and Marine Corps team. With all due respect, it's not. It's not. What does skin color have to do with defending the United States Constitution? What does sexual preference have to do with defending it, other than it could get you into trouble? And I'll get to that here a little bit later. He says, it ultimately will help us on our mission success, said Harker, aligned with these guiding principles. It is the policy of the Department of the Navy to continue to make transformative and meaningful steps that promote Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sorry, equity is not a goal of the United States military. Everybody arriving at the same places, that's what equity is. No, you have a rank structure. Not everybody is the general. Not everybody is the admiral. Not everybody gets equity. Not everybody gets to make orders. Most people follow them. Anyway, he goes on to say, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in our policies, programs, and operations across the enterprise. Enterprise. The review will examine both Navy and Marine Corps policies and build on existing efforts within both services. Now, I tweeted out about this, I said this, and here's all you can say in a tweet. Ability, attitude, and skill training lead to military readiness and success, not skin color and sexual preference. God help us because SECNAV obviously isn't. And we'll talk a lot more about this right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in just two minutes, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek, website crossexamine.org. Let me unpack what I said uh, in the uh, previous segment about the fact that we need diversity of skill, not diversity of skin color or sexual preference in order to defend the United States Constitution through the United States military. Yes, we need diverse skills, but we don't necessarily need diverse skin colors or preferences. Uh, Sexual preferences, I should say. I mean, think about this. You know, United Airlines, we talked about this a number of podcasts ago, came out and said half of our pilots are going to basically be from the woke category. Half of our pilots are going to be minorities. Now, when you get on an airplane, are you concerned about a guy's skin color or sexual preference or whatever? No. You want to know if the guy can fly the plane safely. I mean, anytime you put anything other than skill as a qualifier for a particular job, you are going to degrade the quality that you get. And so, I mean, you're 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 not heartened when you go, oh well, yeah, sure. This uh this pilot, he uh he met our minimum standards, but he's got the added bonus of being a man and liking to have sex with other men. You don't go, wow, what a my lucky day. This guy also likes to have sex with other men. That's an advantage. No, it's not. Okay. Or you're going in for brain surgery. Do you want the best surgeon out there, or do you want the hospital that has the woke surgeon, yeah, he meets minimum standards, but, you know, he also has a particular skin color. You go, wow, I'm so happy this guy has a different skin color than mine because now my brain surgery is going to go better. No, or heart surgery. Or suppose you're going skydiving. Yeah, this guy met our minimum standards to, 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 to guide you to the ground from 30,000 feet or 10,000 feet or whatever it is. The minimum standards, he might not be the best guy out there, But, you know, his sexual preference is a little bit unusual. That's such a bonus, isn't it? You're going to go, come on, man. Give me the best qualified. All right, let me go back to this article, the Fox News article about Ted Cruz complaining about the fact that the military ought not go woke. Here is what Representative McClain, again, she's from Michigan, said, freedom of speech is one of the founding principles of our country. And right now, our military service members' careers are in jeopardy if they dare to be conservative, she told Fox News on Thursday. This cancel culture is getting out of control and it's sweeping into every aspect of American life. All right, let me shift gears, gears here for just a little minute. Uh, for just a minute. Um Yes, you have freedom of speech in the military but you have less freedom of speech in the military than you do as a private citizen and here's why. To a certain extent you give up freedom of speech to serve. You can't for example criticize the commander-in-chief publicly while in the military. No matter if you agree with them or disagree with them you can't do that and this comes from Uniform Code of Military Justice Article 88. Now when I was in the Navy I was the legal officer so I had to deal with these kinds of UCMJ articles and here is what Article 88 says, any commissioned officer who uses contemptuous words against the president, vice president, Congress, the secretary of defense, secretary of the military department, the secretary of transportation or governor or legislator of any state, territory, commonwealth or possession in which he is on duty or present shall be punished as a court martial may direct. Now, this is just to ensure that you have people who are going to adhere to the chain of command. And if you're publicly coming out against someone in your chain of command as a commissioned officer in the United States military if you're coming out against that's going to be a problem and that so you do give up some of your right to speak your mind and this guy this Lieutenant Colonel Colonel Lowmeyer, may have crossed the line okay I don't know I don't know the details if he asked for permission to write the book or not if he did ask for permission and he got a blessing from the chain of command then fine. I haven't read the book. I don't know if he in the book disparages any buddy up his chain of command. Probably not. But if he did, he's out of bounds. He can't do that. Now you give up some of your rights. And this is why it's called service. It's called service for a reason. You give up some of your rights to serve. You don't have a right to serve. That's By the way, that's why I talk about certain identity groups having a right to serve starts with a false assumption. The truth is, no one has a right to serve in the United States military. In our history, we've debated women, gays, and now transgenders as having a right to serve in the military. No one has a right to serve in the military. No man, no woman, no gay, no straight, no transgender, whatever. No one has a right. The needs of the United States, the defense of the country take precedence over anyone's desire to serve. Now, we like it when people have a desire to serve, but you are not being unduly discriminated against if you're in an identity group and the military says, for the sake of the country, this group can't serve. That You're, you're, you're not being discriminated against unfairly, especially if there's an argument behind that. You have to have certain skills and qualifications. And if it is deemed you don't have those skills or qualifications, sorry, but you can't join the military. Just like you don't have a right to do a particular civilian job. The company decides if you have the qualifications. You don't have a right. To, I don't have a right to, to, to play for the New York Giants. OK, I'm almost 60 years old. I'd get killed out there. I don't have a right to say, well, you know, most of the NFL, uh, you know, majority of the NFL is black. You need more white guys in there. You don't have any 60 year old white guys out there. What's wrong with that? I have a right. to. No, you don't. You don't have a right to serve. I don't, I don't. Imagine if we had quotas, by the way, in, in sports, we'd go, this is ridiculous. Sports is a meritocracy. And, and, and we, we demand it be a meritocracy. We don't say, hey, you better get more whites on your team. You better get more blacks on your team. You better have more Asians on your team. We don't say that because we know it's a meritocracy. So, why are we taking something far more serious that has far more implications? In fact, life and death implications. The military, the police. Why are we saying that these organizations have to be woke, that they have to have a quota almost? Because that's where this is heading. Or airlines, life and death there. And we're going to say, that we've got to have a quota. They don't want to use that term, but that's exactly what it is. There's a quota of diverse attributes that have nothing to do with advancing your ability to do the job. Those we have to have. Then you're going to degrade quality. In fact, there may be valid reasons for refusing admission into the military for people with certain sexual behaviors or physical limitations. There's the issue of close quarters. There's destroying unit cohesion by introducing sexual relationships into those close quarters. For years, that was part of the reason gays were kept out of the military. Not all that really started with the fact that we had a Judeo-Christian worldview. uh, And uh, in our country now, homosexuality is not a crime. But that doesn't mean that necessarily it's a good thing in a close unit military outfit. It could lead to problems. It's something that can, might get people killed and destroy the mission because the mission of the military is to protect the country from physical threat. It's life and death. Qualifications have to be very high in any behavior, sexual or non sexual, that could jeopardize that mission and get people killed is not worth the risk. In fact, when it comes to women in combat, there was a guy who um, was in Boeing, the Boeing Corporation, who 30 years ago wrote a of a blog, or maybe it wasn't a blog, maybe they didn't have blogs back then, or some kind of piece where he, he didn't believe that women should be in combat. And he, for writing something 30 years ago about that, he got relieved, he got canceled for working at Boeing. Now, let me tell you, I do not think women should be in combat. And it's not because I don't think some women couldn't perform in combat. There are other reasons that go into it. And here are some of the reasons. Unit cohesion problems. I know, and you know as well if you're honest, when you put men and women together in a high-stress environment, a life-and-death environment, men will tend to favor the women. They will tend to try and protect the women, maybe at the expense of the the mission, at the detriment of the mission. There's a natural inclination for men to protect women. There's also a a natural inclination for romance to develop. And that can create problems with unit cohesion. Men could also tend to show off in front of women. Look, I'm just being honest here. Okay, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just being honest. And the other problem with women in combat is suppose prisoners of war, war are taken. Now you have the, the horrible prospect of rape. This is not something, I, we don't need women in combat. I think women can serve elsewhere in the military but women in combat, I do not think is a good idea. Now, you might not agree with that argument, but it's not an argument based on discrimination, undue discrimination. It's an argument based on reasons. It's not irrational or bigoted to make such an argument. It's not discrimination that's wrong discrimination. There's a right discrimination and a wrong discrimination, but it's not wrong discrimination to make a case that women should not be in combat. I think you can make similar arguments against gays and transgenders in the military. You may disagree with the arguments, but it's not bigoted discrimination. It's not bigoted at all because it's actually based on a knowledge of the facts. Because if we're going to believe anything in the military, it can't be that we get to create our own reality <laughs> because that's where the culture's going. We get to create our own reality, this wokeism. This idea that the individual gets to create his or her own own reality isn't reality. We need to adjust our beliefs and behavior to fit reality. We don't adjust reality to fit our beliefs and behavior. We could have the the biggest woke, diverse force in the history of the world, and that doesn't mean we're going to be able to fight off an enemy. We have to have people qualified with skill, and we have to have unit cohesion and the ability to carry out the mission. Sexual preference, sexual behavior doesn't add to that. It may detract from that. Now, Let's go back to Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer here for a second. He has been relieved of his position in the U.S. Space Force now. He transferred over to the Space Force. Now, my question is this. If the Biden administration is not actually advancing Marxism or wokeism in the military, then why are they relieving Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer of his command for getting political? for if they are not promoting Marxism, that is the Biden administration, then Lohmeyer's criticisms aren't really political at all. It seems to me that some in, in, in the military, and Biden's Secretary of Defense is a political appointee, that some in his military are protesting a bit too much. Their actions are a tacit admission that what Lohmeyer's saying is true and correct. Otherwise, why would they be saying that he needs to be relieved, relieved of his command? He can have political opinions, right? He can't have political opinions now? And if they're relieving him of his command, maybe his political opinion is too close to home that the military is getting too political. Much more on this, including the fact that everyone discriminates. We'll get to it right after the break. You're listening to Frank Turek. We're back in two minutes. Saturday and Sunday, June 5 and 6, I'll be in Sarasota, Florida at Grace Community Church speaking at their Saturday night service and three on Sunday morning. My friend Chip Bennett, great pastor down there, looking forward to going down there again, was down there a couple of years ago. We're going to talk about what is God like. If you're anywhere near Sarasota, love to see you. Also, I want to mention CIA, cross Examine Instructor Academy, August 12th through the 14th in Uh, California, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, with the great Jack Hibbs. That's his church there. He pastors that church, and uh, we'll be out there. We can only take 60 people. The application deadline is June 15th. If you want to be a part of CIA, you have to apply now. And CIA, the cross examine Instructor Academy, that's where we teach you how to present the truth of Christianity and how to answer questions uh, in a hostile situation. So I hope you can join me, Greg Kokel, Jay Warner Wallace, Natasha Crane, Jorge Gill, Elisa Childers, Richard Howe, uh, Sean McDowell. I'm probably leaving somebody out. We've got other instructors, but we're all going to be out there. We're all going to hang out together three full days, August 12th to the 14th at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hill. So go to crossexamine.org and sign up there. And uh, Jorge, I'm talking to the producer now. Jorge, any room in the Spanish course right now? Do we have any more room or not? We're about to close tomorrow. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're listening to this on, uh, check it out. If you want the Spanish I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist course, you better sign up immediately because it's about to close. Of course, you can always sign up for the uh, for the self-paced one, the great Jorge Gil, he's the one that leads the Espanol, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. All right, guys, before the break, I was talking about two different kinds of discrimination. You know, there's good discrimination and bad discrimination. In fact, if you didn't discriminate, you'd be dead already. You've got to discriminate between the good and the evil. Uh, Discrimination is just to recognize and act on differences. That's what you do. You recognize and act on differences. Now, what's morally good discrimination? Morally good discrimination is to treat people differently based on their morally relevant behavior. Uh, You're going to treat a murderer differently than you do a saint, right? You should treat them differently. You you should discriminate against the murderer because of his morally bad behavior. Okay? That's proper discrimination. Morally bad discrimination is to treat people differently based on irrelevant factors rather than their behavior. For example, When you treat somebody differently based on their race, really their their ethnicity, you are engaged in morally bad discrimination. This is why Martin Luther King famously said, I have a dream that one day my four children are going to be judged on the content of their character, not on the color of their skin. Ironically, critical race theorists today are getting rid of King. They're flipping King on his head and they're treating people differently based on their race rather than their character. That obviously not only goes against Dr. King, it goes against the Bible and common sense. You shouldn't be treating people differently based on their race, and yet wokeism does that. And now they're introducing it into the military with this Bishop Garrison person who's heading up the as uh, as Rod Dreher called it, the Inquisition, the Grand Inquisitor in the military. Yes, they're going through extremism training in the military. And who are the extremists? Depends on who you ask. On who you ask. A lot of times it's right-wing groups rather than the people that are on the left. In fact, according to Captain Lohmeyer, I'm reading from an article now, he said this on a podcast. This is the guy that got... uh, that got relieved of his command for writing the book. Here's what he says. What you see happening in the US military at the moment is that if you're a conservative, then you're lumped into a group of people who are labeled extremists, if you're willing to voice your views. And if you're aligned with the left, then it's okay to be an activist online because no one is going to hold you accountable. Is that the case? That's what Lohmeyer says. It appears that the man who is heading this inquisition in the military is not, a, is not a neutral party. He appears to be going after conservatives and lumping all conservatives with the far right-wing conservatives who may be extremists. He's saying anybody that maybe even voted Republican or voted for Trump or voted in a conservative way now needs to be uh, either identified in the military or maybe even kicked out of the military. So this is the problem. By the way, when they use words like racism and white supremacy, it seems to me they're loaded words. They mean deliberate discrimination on the part of individuals, in my view anyway. When I hear of just dis- racism, I, th- I think of some individual, or I think of white supremacy. I think of someone like you know a Ku Klux Klan member deliberately discriminating against individuals. Now, those loaded words, particularly the, the term white supremacy, when, when the CRT people, the critical race theorists, are out there saying anybody who's white is a supporter of white supremacy, or anybody who's a conservative is a, is a supporter of white supremacy, that's, that's just inflammatory language that doesn't mean what it really means. White supremacy, these are people that are activists who are KKK members. Uh, who are members of these kinds of groups, they're not all white people. And yet that's what some people are trying to say. And you know why a lot of times they're trying to say that is they're trying to say it because there's a, there are differences in outcomes between, say, whites, blacks, and Asians. And they're trying to say, in fact, uh, what's his name? Kendi, one of the top... Uh, critical race theorist he teaches up at Boston, he says all disparities between racial groups, between whites and blacks, whites and Asians, whites, blacks and Asians, whatever, all disparities are based on racism. That is absolute nonsense. All disparities are not based on racism. As Thomas Sowell famously says, when you get, say, two Two brothers brought up in the same household, under the same roof, and they wind up in different places, different outcomes in life. One's rich, the other's poor. When they wind up in those different outcomes, it's not racism, it's not one cause that caused them to come to those different outcomes. Obviously, it can't be racism if they're of the same race. There's something else going on. It could be motivation, personal motivation. could be some sort of break one had that the other didn't. could have been um, intelligence, motivation, breaks, as I say. It could have been a whole number of factors as to why people wind up in one place rather than another. And we had a whole podcast on this a couple of months ago about racism is not the one cause. But, but to say that white supremacy is believed by all whites is is really a slur. It's really an insult. Because when we think of white supremacy, we don't think of different outcomes. We think of people who are overtly racist. In fact, let me ask you guys this question. Is child abuse the cause of all underperforming children? I mean, if kids in this, to to use Thomas Sowell's example, if kids from the same house turn out differently, and they usually do, right? You don't wind up in the same place in life, even though you're in the same family. If kids from the same house turn out differently, and they usually do, should we automatically say that the parents must have abused the underperformers? That's the only reason. It was child abuse. That's why this kid is poor and his brother is rich. No, but that's what these critical race theorists are essentially saying when it comes to race they're saying all the differences are due to abuse all the differences in the in the in the in the, in the identity groups are due to abuse it's, it's due to racism it's nonsense now it might some of it might be due to racism as we've said before and we need to ferret that out and try and solve it but to claim that it's all due to racism and that anybody's white is a racist is obviously wrong but yet that is what they're doing. Blaming underperforming group outcomes on racism or white supremacy is like blaming all underperforming children or all underperforming child behavior on child abuse. It does not follow and it's frankly insulting and it's immoral discrimination itself to call everybody white or everybody black or everybody Asian racist. That's ridiculous. That's exactly what racism is. Now I've got these other questions here that I only got two minutes to get to. Um, let me see if I can deal with one of them quickly. Uh, let's see. All right, Chris writes in. Uh, he was one of our, our students in the Why I still don't have enough faith to be an atheist course. He said, I had a question that's been really bugging me lately. If God isn't arbitrary like Allah in the Quran, how is it that he can call brothers and sisters marrying one another and bringing offspring okay, like Adam and Eve and his descendants, for a while and then say it's not. The same thing for the Old Covenant and such. In other words, for a while it seems that he allows something and then calls it bad after a time frame. Why is that if God isn't arbitrary? The short answer is, Chris, because circumstances change. Yes, commands change from God. Why? Because circumstances change. But the value behind the command stays the same. I'll give you an example. We do this as parents. Uh, when, when our children are young, We tell our kids to stay out of the street, why? Because we want to protect them, we love them. But once they get older, we say get out in the street and get a job, why? For the same reason, we love them, we want to protect them, we want them to have a good life and we say it's now time for you to be responsible and go out and get a good job. The same thing is true with God. Early on, when there were were no genetic deformities, there was no problem with, with brothers and sisters marrying one another. Now there is. So the command changes because the circumstances have changed, but the value behind the circumstance doesn't change. God is still a God of love, and so he gives those commands out of love for a reason. But when the circumstances change, just like when the circumstances change from a parent's perspective, we change the command in order to love so god is not arbitrary he's actually consistent because he's a god of love and he issues the most loving command at the proper time in the proper circumstance that's the reason i'll get to some more of these questions by the way next time if you have questions uh, email them to hello at crossexamine.org hello at crossexamine.org great being with you today ladies and gentlemen i hope to see you here next week lord willing i'll be back and so will you also check out our live stream every thursday night at 7:30 p.m on our youtube channel see you next time